You're listening to OEA Grow, a member-led production of the Oregon Education Association and a proud member of the Labor Radio Podcast Network. OEA Grow is by members for members. In season six, educators discuss student-centered curriculum with Janoj Cotter. Welcome to the OEA Grow podcast. This is season six. My name is Janoj and glad to have you with us, Leah. Thanks for making it. The basic idea here is to provide Oregon teachers with context and ideas about how to move forward on different issues being encountered by OEA members. For this season of the podcast, the focus is on student-centered learning and curriculum. To get started, would you please tell us about yourself and how you have been involved with serving Oregon students? All right. Thank you, Janoj. Hi, I'm Leah Dunbar. I am a proud OEA member. Um, I am currently Language Arts Social Studies Specialist at Lane Education Service District. And um, so I'm not directly with students at the moment, but previous to my current role, I support teachers right now, um, so hopefully that does impact the lives of students. Uh, but previous to this role, I was in the classroom as a language arts and eventual ethnic studies teacher um, from the year 2000, so about 22 years ago, um, until 2021. And so um, I... I love that word choice of serve because I really um, appreciated the opportunity to be in service um, to students. That's very much how I saw my role and responsibility in the classroom. Um, I I loved um, getting to support students in um, navigating that that part of their journey to graduation. Um, particularly the chapter that is high school, is there's so much um, transformation that happens um, during those four years. And so I've taught it all um, from ninth grade, um, language arts, American studies, global um, themed, you know, small learning communities where students would loop with me for two years, I've taught world literature. I've taught, you know, more um, content like theme specific courses. And then the the work that I'm most proud of is um, Courageous Conversations, which was a language arts course that was also ethnic studies um, in focus, kind of an ethnic studies survey course. Um, where we looked at student identity and various student histories and other marginalized um, histories. Um, and, let's see, what else? I think uh, that that probably covers, <laughs> that covers it. <laughs> Do I understand correctly that Courageous Conversations was a course that students were uh, potentially earning dual credit at the college level for as well? Yes, um, they um, earned and still do because it's still in place. Um, they earn Ethnic Studies 101 credit from LCC. Awesome. Lane Community College. Mm-hmm. Yep. So cool. Um, well, thank you for that. 
Um, and I'm curious about what it was like for you as a student. Um, and maybe you want to shed a little bit of background on where you went to school as a um, elementary, middle or high schooler. But did you see yourself reflected in the curriculum as a student? And did those examples or potential non-examples help inform what you have tried to bring forward in uh, the profession? Uh, yes, I love this question. Um, it really made me think about um, where where I began, you know, in my engagement with curriculum, a critical engagement with curriculum, which I feel like I've always been on. Um, I did not see myself necessarily reflected in the curriculum that I received um, as an elementary, middle, and high school student. I went to school in Fort Wayne, Indiana, um, although I lived in Los Angeles until I did start kindergarten. So I, I lived in California, but I went to school. I was schooled <laughs> in northern Indiana. And um, my mother was a special education teacher, so I did have access to, um, you know, to the uh, hidden curriculum at home, let's just say, um, from my mom and from my dad. Um, I'm black biracial, so I did I did learn a lot of um, African American history and our family history from my father. I did not learn it in school, um, but what I did always feel was empowered as a reader, and so yes, a hundred percent that shaped uh, my my direction and um, did, you know my eventual um, becoming. Um, as a high school language arts teacher. But um, what I did start to do is um, I started to read women's stories when I was about 10. I stopped reading books that were written by men or about men. <laughs> and I started reading um, stories written by women and about women. So I very much was seeking um, you, you know, just that representation and it came about very organically. And I definitely feel like students, all students do seek, um, to find themselves reflected in curriculum. Therefore, as a, as a teacher, um, you know, it has been a commitment of mine to make sure that representative texts are present in my classroom um, if they are not part of the explicit curriculum, then they're certainly made available to students. I tried to create opportunities for students to bring forward their stories and recommend stories that maybe were absent um, from, from what they were experiencing in my class and, and in my whatever course I was teaching. Um, so, so yes, absolutely, you know, that, that, um, I guess, a philosophical orientation to make sure that students feel represented um, has been a part of my work and continues to be, you know, in my current role. Thank you for giving me that background. Um, we've been friends for a while, but there's a lot of that that is uh, first time for me to hear. Can I just add, though, I did... Once I got to university, I went to DePaul University in Indiana. I did, um, I did find certain male authors and voices <laughs> um, 
you know, uh, beautiful and engaging and complex, but I did really have a, a very um, specific objective from, you know, the previous like seven years around seeking, seeking out women's stories, which I think is really interesting. And then I, I did go on to get my master's degree from the University of Essex in women's writing. And so that whole quest for representation very much has guided my kind of academic work. Very cool. Glad yeah. to know, glad to know that. Um, you mentioned earlier that ethnic studies has been kind of a natural center for a lot of your work. And likewise, for me, ethnic studies, place-based and or climate change education are top of mind when I envision student-centered curriculum or learning activities. And of course, all those can be overlapping. Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious, what are some of the ways, you've kind of gotten at this a bit already, but what are some of the ways in which um, place-based or climate change might have intersected with some of the work you were doing in ethnic studies as part of your work with students? I love um, that intersection because I feel like it's so important and so incredibly relevant um, for students to um, engage in inquiry that is about their lives and their future. And um, so, you know, to think about, you know, how we, how we are in relationship to the to the planet that we're on, how we came to be in the places where we reside, right? What is our relationship to that um, story, right? That's ethnic studies, um, you know, but the climate change piece is, you know, what, what do we need to do in order to ensure that, you know, we have a future, that our children, children have a future and what are the factors that are impacting <laughs> that, right? And so, um, in Courageous Conversations, the second piece of the course, um, we had a kind of a culminating project where the student called Take the Lead, where the students would design um, a lesson and a presentation that they would share with their classmates and kind of our drop in entry point to that work um, that I felt synthesized a lot of the kind of theoretical work that they had done in the first trimester of the course was um, a, we used a website um, called Beautiful, and I could be wrong, so this could be where there's correction later, um, Beautiful Solutions. This changes everything, which I believe is part of the work of um, Naomi Klein. Yes, Naomi Klein. And I was so fortunate because the librarian that we had at Churchill actually was a research assistant for Naomi Klein at one time. And so she very much collaborated with me in empowering students with the research skills and then also kind of the um, the the theoretical background of that project just this changes everything so that students can understand that their passions, um, you know, really um, were about um, changing things in the now and in the future, right? Like really empowering students to engage with problems in a solutionary way. And so um, that is the piece 
where I, I think that this question really resonates, you know, that place-based ethnic studies and, and or climate change education, you know, is all connected, you know, people's relationship to the land is impacted by their access, you know, to um, resources, be they, you know, material, economic, um, natural and so on. And that's shaped by, you know, who we are and the amount of privilege or lack thereof that we have. And then our, you know, our cultural backgrounds and, and I could go on and on and on. And I loved um, getting to that point in the course because I, I feel, and students would share, you know, that a lot of our histories that we were learning were very kind of dark and traumatic, <laughs> which, you know, um, they can't, you know, our stories can be, um, but um, where I wanted students to end at the end of the course was in a place of feeling agency and hope and um, solidarity with one another and hopefully with some tools, you know, to move forward into their, you know, futures and enact change. Thanks for sharing that. If I remember correctly, um, having interview guests from the community was also um, a part of your practice and kind of speaks to probably the place-basedness and the um, ethnic studies components of, of the question. Do you want to elaborate on that at all? Yeah, um, I... I did really feel like it was important to build into every unit um, an opportunity for students to, to meet um, some of the resources that are in our community. Um, and, you know, there, there are resources within our families, you know, that's, that sometimes um, came into the classroom, but I also wanted to make sure that students, um, you know, felt held in community. Right. And um, so that was a big um, piece of each unit. You know, I can only speak to my own experience and I wanted to make sure that students had um, opportunity to connect with all kinds of folks with various stories and perspectives and experiences and that that was important for all of us, uh, you know, in our learning and in our um, in our connection with one another. Thank you for reminding me about that. Uh, thank, thank you for that. Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious, uh, you said you've been in uh, education for a couple decades or so, and I imagine there's been a, been a bit of transformation for you in terms of your approach over those years. And so I'm curious, when you look back on your career, how do you think you've grown in your approach to providing student-centered learning experiences and um, is there anything about what you've mentioned so far that you want to emphasize or another one or two examples of how that growth um, might might have shown up or some of the, the things that you've did as a later uh, career teacher that you might not have done as an earlier career teacher? Um, I think that two examples come to mind. Um, you know, one, I, I think one big testament to my growth um, when I reflect back is how I shifted in my approach to assessment um, and how I how I viewed the process of assessment and grading 
really changed from, you know, when I came in replicating practices that I had experienced as a student um, and then, you know, growing in my my own, I think, ability to support student le- learning as well as my commitment to um, to exhibit embody practices that I think were equitable and effective. <laughs> and so like and that I maybe that's a complicated way of saying that I really I really shifted in in my thinking about what it is that is important for students to know and how I think that that learning, that knowing should be demonstrated. And I'm a twin. And so um, I don't really work, um, I think, with other brains. And I also think that I show what I know in community with other brains. And so I really moved um, towards the last 10 years, let's say, of my teaching into really thinking about ways for students to work in collaboration with other students, um, to value their knowing in collaboration with other students, um, and to really think specifically about what proficiency looked like um, for each student, right? Um, But also, relative to themselves, not to not in comparison with other students. So I thought a lot about assessment and I think I my my methods around assessment really changed over the course of those 20 some years in the classroom. Um, the other example that um, I that really is striking to me when it when I think about student centered learning experiences actually came right at the beginning of my career and really um, impacted me profoundly, which is I was teaching a class on spoken word at the alternative school in my in my district. Well, there were several at the time, but um, in my building and um, I was going to teach this class on spoken word and I was going to look at, you know, the roots in Harlem Renaissance and jazz and the beat movement and all of these things. And I remember, you know, meeting my students the first night and showing a video about the National Team Poetry Slam competition in San Francisco. And I had these students in my class and one of them was like, oh, let's do that. And I'm like, so the from the very first night of the course, it was a six week course, They it turned into a production class, like right in that moment. And um, so um, quickly I learned that I wasn't there to teach them around poetry, they wanted to generate it, create it, and then share it. And we ended up producing a an open mic that ended up um, running for 10 years. Once a month at a local coffee shop, it became, you know, kind of a, a hub for teenagers, you know, to gather, which we don't have a lot of those in Eugene, um, for 10 years. And that taught me very quickly about the power of student student agency and creativity. And, um, you know, so I think that that lesson really, ha- you know, shaped I hope it has. <laughs> I hope it has really shaped, you know, who I am as as an educator or and as, as a learner, as a student. Very cool. Um, I think I I think I'd heard bits of that story before, but not uh, 
that coherently. So I, oh, I appreciate was... that story on multiple levels. So magical. Well, um, we're getting uh, close to wrapping up. And my last question for you is, if you were mentoring yourself as an early career teacher, what advice or perspective might you give to help your younger self provide more student-centered curriculum or learning experiences? Oh, I would say don't be afraid to let students read different books. <laughs> um, I think that um, we come in thinking it's so much easier to shape you know, a learning experience when everybody's doing the same thing at the same time. And um, one of the things that I've learned um, from mostly from younger, amazing ethnic studies partners that I've worked with um, is, you know, just the the power of of choice books and book groups and um just trusting students to know what they need um, and, you know, and releasing control. I think I was, you know, I, I know I am, I'm not going to say, I think I am. I was a little bit of a control freak, <laughs> you know, in my earlier years. And I wanted to know what students were thinking so I could, you know, support that or challenge it or facilitate it, you know, whatever. And I think I would, I would lean less into the group, you know, book, you know, units, whatever, anchor text, and lean more into um, smaller choice books, book talks, um, self, more self-guided um, learning for students so that they just just to validate, you know, that they are the ones that know what they need. So. Well, I really appreciate getting an opportunity to pick your brain this morning. It's been a pleasure, Leah. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. For more OEA professional learning opportunities, visit our webpage at grow.oregoned.org.